As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Chelsea take charge in the Champions League. It's a question of Lukaku who, as Havertz shines, we preview the League Cup final. Chelsea win the Arnold Clark Cup and the quiz is back. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Welcome along then, listener, or indeed welcome in if you found us for the first time. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined by The Athletic's Chelsea expert, Simon Johnson. Hello. And the Chelsea Academy grad turned media star, Sam Parkin. <laughs> Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Sam. First on our agenda today, Tuesday's Champions League time. Off goes N'Golo Kante. Pulisic to his left. Here is Christian Pulisic. Took it well. Scored it well. There's the second goal that Chelsea were looking for. And it's scored by Christian Pulisic. And it gives them daylight. Chelsea 2, Leo Mill. Once Angolo gets the ball and he starts driving, um, I just try to keep up with him, man. He's quick, he's fast, he's, uh, you know, he's running up the pitch, and uh, I just trusted that he would uh, yeah, make the right pass, and it was perfect, and uh, I really just had to finish it all. Well, overall, it's a deserved victory. I, I think it was hard work. We needed to work hard and uh, against the strong side, well-prepared side from Lille, and, and we did. We did not allow chances. We created chances, so overall, it's a good performance. Chelsea 2, Lille 0 then. The Blues giving themselves a fantastic chance of qualifying for the quarterfinals after a much improved display at Stamford Bridge. Goals from Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic giving Thomas Tuchel reason to cheer despite the loss of his chewing gum in the first half. Um, the team news selection was uh, something which sent Twitter ablaze, Simon, pre-match. Let's talk about Lukaku to start with and then we can get on to the actual game. Uh, it's not a surprise that he was dropped for this match, is it? Uh, you know, he, he hasn't been playing very well, nor have Chelsea. They needed to change something. Yeah, and also, he started 10 games in a row. Um, it, it's kind of... And I made this point on Twitter last night. Kai Havertz didn't start for seven games in a row earlier this year. And little was said about it. And he's sort of going, this is crazy. You know, like, this is the second most expensive player in the squad. 
Uh, and it just shows how all the focus is, is to switch from Havertz to Lukaku. And, and, and it's kind of like the piece I wrote um, from the match is that Kai Havertz is benefiting from the Lukaku Ferrari. Like no one is focusing on Kai Havertz's form, his lack of game time. Of course, there's been a lot of mitigating circumstances, injuries, etc. But can you imagine if Lukaku wasn't here? Like all the focus would be on Kai Havertz. What's wrong with him? Why isn't he scoring more? Why, why isn't he kicked on from last season? Why is he in and out of the side? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but getting back to Lukaku, after his performance against Crystal Palace, that, that isn't just a team issue, as in getting the best out of Lukaku. This is rapidly becoming a Lukaku issue. He's playing like he doesn't want to be at Chelsea. He's playing like he he's not enjoying his football. He doesn't want to be there uh, on the pitch, let alone at Chelsea. Um, simple things like trying to make yourself available for a throw-in, getting a centre-half nipping in front of you. That's about desire. That That's not about linking up with your teammates. Um, it's probably when when Tuchel talked about, I need to protect him, I, I kind of think that this is, this is what he meant. He said about it pre-match, and I think this is what he meant. He was to take him out of the firing line. And Kai Havertz deserves his run in the side. Um, you know, why should why should Kai Havertz sort of suffer to try and make sort of Lukaku sort of wake up from his slumber? Maybe a time on the bench will sort of um, reinvigorate Lukaku, a bit like sort of what we saw with Kepper in a way. It's sort of like a bit of a time out of the firing line. And he gets to work on his game. But the story is just going to intensify, intensify. Already, inevitably, this morning, an Italian an Italian paper is, is, is doing a story about him wanting to go back to Inter Milan. Um, sources are suggesting that there's no truth in that. But, yeah, I, I think this is just the start of, start of more and more back pages and stories about the Kaku's future. Sam, it will have been a, a chastening experience for him, I think, on, on Tuesday. If you were in his position, would you have been watching the game lamenting the balls being delivered into the penalty area for Havertz in a way that they hadn't been for Lukaku? Or, or would you be thinking, actually, let me look at what Havertz is doing because he's making better runs than I was. The team are using him more and maybe there's something I can learn here. Um, I don't know. I think the disappointment will be so raw Um I don't know if he'd be watching on and, and taking it as an opportunity to to think about how he can improve. I think when you come out of the side with an injury or something like that, and if you've been playing well, that is an opportunity to just take stock of how the team are playing and what you can do differently. Or, you know, if you come out due to tiredness, due to fatigue. I, I think you know, Simon's right. He has played a lot of football, but I think the way that the world is now, the way that everyone jumps on, the way that the media report it, and I'm not finger pointing here. I'm just, that's the nature of the beast now. And um, this becomes a huge story. In previous seasons, 10, 15 years ago, if someone has seven touches in a in a game, it's probably not highlighted, especially on the back of the couple of goals at the Club World Cup. But such is the, the amount of column inches and the, the way we all talk about football now, it gets highlighted and the story gathers momentum. So it was probably a, a good decision to bring him out of the firing line. I don't think there was probably loads different about Chelsea's performance. I think it's just about the personnel. You know, Havertz moves more than Lukaku. That, that, that's a fact. He covers more ground. He, he, he goes wide. He comes deep. And I think Glenn Hoddle made a really good 
point actually about the angles that that he makes you know on the outside of the center half in between the fullback never comes to the ball straight which is very difficult to receive a ball and keep possession so he's clever he's bright in in, in his movement so uh, I thought Pulisic was so bright as well from the start you know I thought there was just such a vibrancy from the first whistle from the front three and and, and that obviously turned into chances quite quickly so no I, I don't know where Lukaku's head will be right now Hopefully it's not the end and he can get back in the side and find some form. But it looks difficult at the moment just because of that. Just the feeling, the feeling I had watching it in the first 10 minutes the other day, it just looked like there was a lot more, a lot more movement, a lot more, a lot more, um, you know, vibrancy about the front three. My frustration with Lukaku is that, is that I still think as you as you'd hope for ninety seven point five million pounds and a stupid salary, I still think he's got an awful lot to offer. Mm. Uh, when when he's at when he's Romelu Lukaku that you've seen at people are sort of dismissing what he's done at Inter Milan as like oh it's Serie A as if Serie A is like some poxy league is going well it's kind of like it may not be you know sort of prime nineteen nineties kind of uh, uh, level but it's still. A very good standard and defend. You know, it's a league that prides itself on defending. So you sort of think, well, if, if he's scoring goals for fun at Inter, then he should be able to do the same in the Premier League. And when he arrived, he, he arrived like on the man. You know, he had that aura, didn't he? The, the way he was on the pitch and the way he was bullying Arsenal defenders in on on his second debut. Um, even though he didn't score against Tottenham, I remember his second half performance uh, when when Chelsea ran away with the game. Just before the interview came out, you sort of think of the Aston Villa performance off the bench, played pretty well against Brighton the next home game. There is obviously a, a, a great signing there, but I just think since the interview and the fallout from the interview, as much as that apology and that interview that he gave to the club through the club's official website sort of made out as if, yes, everything's fine. I want to make it up to, to everybody. It doesn't feel like he's in a in a great headspace in terms of sort of... It, it feels more of a mental thing as as much as a, as a physical thing where, yes, he may not be in the same shape as when he arrived because of injuries and COVID, but it just seems to me that it's a lot, lot going on in his head right now. Um, Whereas if he's sort of back to that confident sort of Lukaku, he could still do a lot for Chelsea. But yeah, it's by picking Havertz and Chelsea performing they did against Lille, it would be very surprising if he uh, if he plays at Wembley. With such a huge chunk of the season to go and so many huge games, it's going to be such a test of trying to keep him happy and, and, and focused. I mean, the amount of money that they pay for him you know, is it is it enough to play him against? I don't know, off the top of my head, Leeds and Arsenal. You know, for two that may be slightly more open games, teams that maybe attack and leave space. Um, you know, he's going to want to play every week. That is that is fact. So, trying to keep him him focused if he doesn't see his future there long term, and, and trying to get you know goals and performances is going to be a, a a major problem i think moving forward so you know i, I completely agree with simon i mean there's so many good qualities there look at that performance against aston villa for example they were you know showing the highlights of of what he did in that second half um you know prior to the game on tuesday and he's electric when he's in that type of form so 
maybe it is a, a case of picking him um, for the right games, you know, not against teams who are going to sit in and, and deny that space. Last thing on Lukaku. Yeah, final point. I was just really surprised and, and my eyebrows shot up, right up my forehead. <laughs> when Thomas Tuchel pre-match went, well, what can I do? I just found an absolutely baffling thing for a coach to say. Um, as if it was like, no, it's nothing to do, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, taking no responsibility. You go, mate, this is what you paid the big bucks for. Um, yeah, he may not have been your first choice signing from day one in terms of the big centre-forward signing. Of course, everyone wants Haaland. Um, but he was very much involved in, in convincing Lukaku to come to Chelsea. And therefore, he's got to take responsibility to make it work. And might also add that I caused I caused Tuchel a bit of bit of alarm and a bit of a concern when I said, "Oh, I said I asked him post match." Went, "Oh, did you know that Lukaku was the only non-used outfield substitute not to join in the warm up?" And he went, "I don't." He went, "I don't know. I didn't know that." And and then you can sort of see the sort of. <laughs> And then he went, oh, no, but it's, it's, it's the fitness coach's decision. I thought that was a very unconvincing answer. I, it was the politest way I could ask, as, as Romelu sort of done a sulk and walked, left the ground without sort of training, etc. But obviously I didn't get the full answer on that. But, yeah, I just, I just think, yeah, Tuchel's got to take his fair share of the blame here because he's the man in charge and he's been paid to to get Chelsea to get the big sign to work and that's why when uh, the big fallout of the interview happened and Lukaku issued that apology I did write a column saying this isn't the end of the story and uh, sadly that's the case at the moment Nope, it's going to run and run and it's already getting pretty tedious so just think how (laughs) it's going to be by the end of the season um, in terms of the game, because let's not forget, Chelsea won it 2-0. Oh, yeah. They're in a really good position to go into the quarterfinals <laughs> of the Champions League. Um, Sam, they switch back to a back three and it just looks so much more comfortable when they do that. And Thiago Silva, absolutely imperious here, just outstandingly good. But that's got to be the formation going forwards, hasn't it? It just seems to get so much more out of everybody when, when they go three at the back. Are you leaving out the fact that I went all the way to France to get a sense of how the uh, <laughs> the Lille supporters were, were? I couldn't find a bar to watch it in, actually. Um, and Nice and Lille, big rivals. Were, you, were they cheering on? I was actually in Toulon, which is a, a lot more rugby country, Matt, um, just to educate you. So I couldn't find a bar. And um, one of the barmen said something very disrespectful about Chelsea when I asked if he could find me a TV. <laughs> so we did manage to watch the second half um at the hotel. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was very comfortable, wasn't it? I think Lille had a, well, a really good period for the last 20, 25 minutes of the first half in terms of possession. I thought Renato Sanchez was really good, sharp on the ball, but it was all in front of Chelsea, all their efforts. I think 60% of their efforts from outside the box. And and that kind of summed it up. Chelsea's were, all inside the box, every every attempt of the of the nine, and you know some good situations that Lille got themselves in. But Chelsea so composed, um, so sturdy defensively, and um, you got to get beyond Mendy as well if you breach that that back line. And and that's maybe why you know Chelsea aren't 
putting teams to the sword at the moment because the, I don't know if there's an extra focus on defence, but they are just so resilient. Um, the two wing backs are very different from from Chilwell and, and James when they're in the team. So maybe you lose that extra attacking source when, when they're not available. But I thought that the... The fluidity of the front three, the unpredictability of the front three really was was the major difference in in Chelsea getting the the goal, the early goal, and obviously getting the goal on the attack the counter-attack in the in the second half. So a comfortable victory, and again, again, really based on that brilliant solid foundation. And should be enough, Simon, shouldn't it, to to get through and, and make it through to the quarterfinals because Lille looked like a decent team, albeit maybe one without much cutting edge. Yeah, um, yeah, they didn't have proper real shot on target. They not not one that that made Mendy sort of test himself. Um, I thought Renato Sanchez looked good, and it, it sort of brought back redemption for the passing to the Carabao sign. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yes, um, well remembered. Um, also, I was just, my, the first thing I just went was like. This guy was on loan at Swansea. It's just, it's just sort of, it's one of those bonkers things to have happened in football. Um, and I was even talking to people. I was going, I remember when, um, when, when Chelsea played Bayern on pre-season under Conte, and Conte was talking to Ancelotti about, oh, you know, can a deal be done here, like a loan or something? Um, so we, we did actually get to see Sanchez at Stamford Bridge, but just in a little shirt. 2-0, um, of course, it's not quite the result it would have been last season because because of the away goals sort of thing. You'd, you'd always be quite happy with a 2-0 uh, going into the away leg before. You sort of think, oh, Nick won and they're going to have to score four. But um, but yeah, you, you would expect Chelsea to have too much for them, you know, too much know-how. And they, they should see it out next week. Put it this way, if they go out, it would be a massive story. At least it'd take Lukaku off the back pages. <laughs> yeah, well, you say that, but what if he starts and doesn't score and scores, pen, an o- yeah. scores an OG? <laughs> Don't. Uh, the second leg of that tie takes place in France on Wednesday, the 16th of March. Next up for Chelsea is the Carabao Cup final against Liverpool. We'll preview that after this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. The 2022 Carabao Cup final goes down at 4.30 UK time this coming Sunday, the 27th of February. Chelsea and Liverpool going head-to-head under the arch at Wembley. Chelsea five times winners. Liverpool a joint record eight, though neither side has lifted the trophy since the Blues did so in 2015. Uh, Simon, team news-wise, Mason Mount's an interesting one. We'll come on to Lukaku, of course. But but given that Mount was on the bench and not used against Lille, does that mean he's more or less likely to, to get some minutes here? I, I guess the fact that there are five subs in the League Cup might work in his favour to, to feature at some point, if not from the off. I think um, if Ziyech is, is ruled out with, with the knock he picked up on, I think Mason Mount is is first in line to replace him. Um, yeah, OK, he's not had minutes for, 
for a week or two, but it's not exactly not as if he's been out for a long time. And and he was very close, I think, to to featuring um, in the Champions League game. Of course, um, Tuchel decided to make other subs, but I, I just thought it was quite noticeable how on the lap of honour um, after the Lille game, Mason Mount was involved. I thought, <laughs> just, I sort of went. Hang on a minute, he didn't even play. He's going around, walking around with the other players, sort of taking the acclaim with the fans. I thought I thought John Terry would have been proud of that move. But um but I, I think I think um yeah, he's got a great chance of, of starting the game, like I said, if if Sears is ruled out, because I, I suspect it's gonna be a very similar system to what we saw against Lille. What about Lukaku then, Sam? It's been uh, the hot point of conversation. We mentioned it obviously when we were talking about the Lille game. Think back to the 2005 final um, when Didier Drogba and Mattia Kesman both scored. And I'm wondering which one Lukaku is going to be most compared to when his Chelsea career comes to an end. Would you start him and how much pressure will there be on him if he does? Oh, there's always pressure, but I don't think you can start him given you know what happened um, the other night. Uh, I think previously, obviously he was left out of the Liverpool home game and I think it was Pulisic, Havertz and Mount on, on that occasion and they caused them all manner of problems in the first half and obviously the way they started against Lille, the sharpness of the front three was was ex- exceptional in comparison to what we've been treated to in, in recent weeks and months. So no, I would go exactly as Simon suggested if Mount um, is fit and Ziyech doesn't make it. I think Mount becomes vitally important because you want to win that midfield battle as well. And because of the role that he does going forward and the way that he could um, sit in alongside possibly Kovacic and, and Kante or or Jorginho is paramount to winning that midfield battle and stopping Liverpool's midfield players supplying their, their two wide guys. So, yeah, I think Mount would be a very sensible decision alongside the other two if, if available. Simon, are we to assume that Kappa will start in goal here? Uh, I think he will start, yeah, because... Just like Liverpool, there's been a kind of a, a policy. Um, the question mark would be, of course, is that you, you might have thought that Kepa would have started the Club World Cup final and, and Tuchel showed his ruthless side and just went, no, nope, Mendy, you're my number one. But it, it it would be, again, it would be, as I thought it was quite harsh for Kepa to be dropped, given the form he's in, although you understood the decision for the Club World Cup, it would be even more harsh if... If he's left out the League Cup final, having played brilliantly in this competition, you know he's made a number of key saves um, in in the early rounds. So, um, but I, I'd be very surprised if his name's not on the team sheet. And if if it isn't, then you know Mendy better put in another good performance because Kepa Kepa is definitely at a very high level right now. I'm sure any neutrals will be hoping that Kepa starts and then just for banter in the 119th minute <laughs> gets subbed off for Mendy to come on and the circle is complete. Uh, Simon, if Chelsea win this, they'll they'll put it alongside the Super Cup and the Club World Cup for this season. Will that make it a successful campaign? It's kind of a light version of a treble, isn't it? But obviously you've got the, the Club World Cup, which they haven't won before, and beating Liverpool in a final is, is no small feat. So it would be a successful season, right? Assuming they finish top four and get those three trophies. It's like a diet version, isn't it? It's sort of, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Start diets on my mind at the moment. It's, it's you know 2022, yeah. trying to repair the damage of the last twenty years. Um, 
No, I think it would be a good season, uh, for sure. Of course, there'll be disappointment about the title challenge and, and how it how it faded so badly over the winter. But there were factors uh, that not just Lukaku related or or Tuchel not getting the best out of his strikers related. There were, of course, lots of key injuries and COVID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think you, you can't really moan to Chelsea are a, a, a trophy machine. And if, as a manager, you add to that cabinet, um, it's still seen as as a success. Um, there's still a lot of work to do to catch Liverpool and Man City as, as a Premier League championship winning side. But I think I I thought Chelsea were third favourites from the start, um, and, I, and and so it's proved really. Um, there was so much talk about Lukaku making the difference but sort of people seem to forget the the huge points disparity between the title winners and Chelsea since they last won the title in 2017 they, they've been they've been way way behind every year um, ever since they last won it and that's a huge gap for anyone to make up not just one signing and unfortunately Lukaku also has, has had his problems but yeah I I think given that they've never won the club world cup before tick super cup for the second time in their history and winning the league cup playing they've not had an easy draw unlike in other competitions they've played faced premier league opposition every round beating tottenham in the semi-final and then if they go on to beat liverpool that's a fantastic result given the way they're playing so yeah as long as they finish in the top four which they should do then uh yeah it's still a good season so many significance that that thomas tuchel's unbeaten against Liverpool since he came in, two draws this season and, and the win at Anfield last? Yeah, I think so. I think that there was lots of positives to take from from, from each of the performances. Um, I suppose optimism that the shape that he's gone with in the, the previous three encounters has, has caused them problems. Just alluded to the, the front players in particular, you know, without Lukaku, I know he played up at Anfield, but in the in the game at the bridge, it was... A game, you know, littered with with chances, especially in that in that first half. So, I think he'll go in knowing that midfield's vital, knowing that he probably has to have maybe have a bit of pace up against Salah and, and Mane, if possible. Um, I know there's injury doubts, but yeah, I, I think that he'll be clear probably in in the way he needs to set his team up. And I'm sure there's a lot of mutual respect between the two. But yeah, I think um, those previous encounters will probably filling with hope, you know, going into the weekend. Bit of unfinished business, Simon, for Thomas Tuchel at Wembley after what happened in the uh, in the FA Cup final or, or is he not the kind of person who would be thinking along those lines? I think he would be. I think Chelsea will be as well. It's, it's not just a Tuchel problem suddenly. Um, Wembley used to be sort of almost regarded by the fans as, as, as a home ground, you know, given the ridiculous record there. But they've lost a lot of cup finals there lately. Um, of course, Arsenal twice in the FA Cup, Leicester in the FA Cup and, and Man City in the League Cup final. Um, so that's four of the last five visits. They they won't want to make it five out of six. Um, and, and Tuchel, look, yeah, of course he'll want to beat Klopp and vice versa. I mean, these two are two of the most animated uh, coaches on the side. I mean, Tuchel on, the, on Tuesday night against Lille, he was... He was going absolutely ballistic and, and, and Klopp is very much the same. And I remember him 
Tuchel sort of tearing into someone during the Lille game and he's just going, what on earth are you upset about? <laughs> I think he was going after Marcus Alonso, um, which some might think is justified. But it, it, it was still kind of, you know, the game's under control and he's still... And, and this is Lille, Champions League, last 16, not as much at stake. So can you imagine what he's going to be like at Wembley on, on Sunday? Of course he'll want to win this. He'll, he'll want to put Klopp in his in his place and show that he's the, he's the best German coach in town. Well, to get a Liverpool perspective on the game, we're joined by the Athletics Liverpool writer, Kiva O'Neill. Um, Kiva, that was a nice warm-up for, for Sunday's game against Leeds on Wednesday. A, a Liverpool in their best form of the season at the moment? I think they've just hit it, which is perfect time and not so perfect time for Chelsea, I don't think. But yeah, I think the, the 6-0 win, I don't think anyone was really expecting that. A good 3-0, you know, a half-time, was, everyone was happy with that. And then obviously for six goals to be scored, I think it sets them up. But the, I guess the worry is they may have gone too soon with all the goals. Um, though Divocary didn't score, so I do feel he might be saving a little bit of magic for the weekend. <laughs> In terms of the Liverpool team news, am I right in thinking Kelleher will start in goal? And, and do we know if Jota or Firmino will be available for Sunday? Um, and yeah, well, Kelleher, Klopp said pretty much from um, the, the Arsenal games, you know, Kelleher was his cup goalkeeper, the League Cup. He'll be the, you know, the, the man who, t- who wears the, the jersey on Sunday. And, you know, what a proud moment it'll be for him and for all of Ireland. He'll be naturally watching that. Um, obviously, he's an Ireland international. He's Liverpool's undisputed number two now behind Allison. There's a lot, lot thought of him, and I think you, you know you'll you'll get to see that at the weekend. Um, yeah, it would shock I think a lot of fans if Allison did start. Almost, you kind of want your best goalkeeper to start cup finals, but it just feels like Klopp sort of made this promise now and this vow to Kelleher, and I don't think he'll go against that. So yeah, I think. Um, he should be in goal. And then in terms of uh, Jota and Firmino, it feels like it might be too soon for both of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know Klopp will bring another update just before the game to sort of say what the situation was. Because earlier this week, they hadn't been training. Obviously, they missed the Leeds game. So that's been a bit of a blow. But obviously, it's enabled Liverpool to really give Luis Diaz the welcome. And you know he's had to play and he, he looks amazing. Fans have been impressed with him since he started that uh, played in that FA Cup game where he made his debut and obviously he's, he's got his first goal for the club now too and he just, yeah, he, he looks quite the Liverpool player and, and very exciting. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether uh, Jota and Firmino are able to make it back but at the moment it feels like perhaps it might be a bit too soon for both of them. Has something changed with Jurgen Klopp's attitude towards the domestic cups this season? Because he's barely been able to conceal his disdain for them, particularly the League Cup in, in previous years. But obviously it feels different this time around because they are in the final. Is that just because they've had a decent run at it? Or do you think that he's actively kind of placed a bit more emphasis on it this season? Yeah, this has been the question since Jurgen Klopp's been at Liverpool. Obviously he got to the, the League Cup final against Man City in 2016. And then... I think a lot of fans have wondered why they haven't got to a, an FA Cup final or a League Cup final since. Obviously, Liverpool have won the Champions League, the Premier League. The onus has very much been on that. So fans haven't really grumbled too much about that. You know, reaching two Champions League finals. Obviously, there's a Europa League final thrown in there earlier on as well. And 
I think fans were happy with sort of just chasing the Premier League and ending that 30 year wait, which obviously we know happened a couple of years ago now. So that's been sort of the main aim for everyone. But then this season, it did feel like something changed and everyone. It was like, well, this incredible Liverpool team could come away with, you know, just maybe the four trophies that Klopp's won. So it's kind of now like a hoovering up process almost. The fans just want Liverpool to win every trophy. Um, that is possible, similar similar to what Chelsea fans are like, I guess. You know, and I think that is sort of the same approach has always happened with Jürgen Klopp. He's always, you know, played younger players in the opening rounds of the FA Cup and the League Cup. And sometimes draws just go your way and the senior players that are playing step up and, and that's kind of happened um, in the League Cup. Obviously, there was that game against Leicester City, which, you know, Liverpool will lose in 3-1. Um, quite early on and you know they were able to to bring that back Minamino scoring a late goal and then they won on penalties so you know there've been moments um, in this competition where Liverpool might have you know not fared so well but they've come through the other side so I think his approach is now almost justified and that you know the focus is on the Premier League the focus is on the Champions League but now you know these players who've operated maybe in the periphery the younger players players like Origi have you know, stepped up when they have been called upon in, in this competition. Hi, Kiva. Um, would you still say that there's this strong rivalry with Chelsea or have Manchester City sort of replaced Chelsea given that obviously the the league title has been battled between Man City and Liverpool the last few years and that's kind of overtaken Chelsea a little bit or, or is the Chelsea rivalry and, and the kind of little bit of antagonism between the two sets of fans still as strong as ever. Yeah, I think it's alive and kicking because, you know, as soon as things change for Chelsea, they would start winning cups and obviously there's that League Cup final, wasn't there, and Mourinho and the Shosh and it felt like from there everything sort of stemmed from that and there's been a great rivalry and I think that's very much, you know, you'll feel that on Sunday that, you know, the fans of either clubs really, you know, don't want each other to win but then, I guess it has changed a little bit as well because, you know, Liverpool fans did spend the whole Champions League final wanting Chelsea to win. So, you know, <laughs> maybe the, it has changed a little bit there because obviously Man City, are, you know, have been the main rivals in terms of chasing Premier League. And it kind of feels like, you know, when we were growing up as Liverpool fans, like how United and Ferguson just sort of dominated and got in our way at times and obviously we weren't the team we are now but you know with with Liverpool I think Man City have got in the way of you know Premier League titles for Liverpool you know Pep Guardiola's team wasn't around or Man City didn't play as well as they, they have done in, in recent years then you know Liverpool would have probably dominated um, so I do think Man City are you know Liverpool's main sort of rivals but the the Chelsea rivalry is very much alive and kicking and no one will be supporting Chelsea in this final. <laughs> um, Kiva, before we let you go, can you give us a prediction, please? Oh, God. Uh, I feel like it might be a... I was thinking this before I go on, I thought maybe a prediction, but I feel like it might be sort of the similar game to the one at Stamford Bridge and hopefully for the 90 minutes and not just the first 45. So I feel like 2-2, just a bit of a madness and then extra time and penalties because, I mean, when it's your team on penalties, you don't want it to happen. But I guess, you know, it just feels like Liverpool need to sort of make amends for the League Cup final in 2016 when they, I think they scored one penalty and Man City beat them and it was the probably the worst penalty shootout of all time. So if it goes to that and Liverpool can do that, maybe Kelleher 
can be a, a lucky charm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, hopefully it's just 2-0 Liverpool, sorry to say, but yeah, we'll see. Well, yeah, hopefully not. Uh, listen, thanks so much <laughs> for your time today, Kiva. We'll speak to you again soon, hopefully. Thank you. And we will, of course, bring you all the reaction to Sunday's final in our Monday pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, Chelsea won the Arnold Clark Cup, sort of. Uh, England beat Germany 3-1 at Molyneux in the final game of the inaugural competition on Wednesday. Millie Bright and Frank Kirby scored in the final 10 minutes to turn a draw into a win by two clear goals, which meant England finished top ahead of Spain on goal difference and thus win the cup and, I don't know, presumably a a couple of second-hand cars as well. Uh, the first time in 10 attempts, England have beaten the side ranked in the top 10 of the world. Brighton Kirby likely to feature when Chelsea play their fifth round FA Cup tie against Leicester at Kings Meadow on Saturday lunchtime. Neve Charles is also part of that England squad, so congrats to her too. Uh, in terms of the men's academy sides, the under-18s play their FA Youth Cup quarterfinal against Blackpool at Stamford Bridge on Thursday or tonight as we record. They then host Aston Villa in the league on Saturday. The under-23 have to wait until Monday for their next action. They go to Everton in PL2. All right, we're on the home stretch now. Still plenty of time to fit a quiz in, though. Okay, three questions each. League Cup finals, the theme. I've had a bit of doubt about these questions as to whether they're too easy or not. But what I think is that Sam would be much better at Simon's and Simon would be much better at Sam. So we'll see if that's borne out um, here. Simon, you're up first. Far too much credit. Go on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Question number one. John Arnarisa put Liverpool ahead in the first minute of the 2005 League Cup final against Chelsea. But which Liverpool player scored their second goal? It came in extra time. Antonio Nunes. Oh, straight away. Absolutely superb. 1-0. Well done, Simon. Um, I'd kind of forgotten that that guy existed. I, I should just sort of make it... If I'd got that wrong then I should just sort of just pack up and never be on the pod again, which perhaps people want anyway. But we usually do plugging of pieces. We've done a 2005 League Cup final. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so. Doesn't count. <laughs> Void. Sorry. sorry. I, I should have kept quiet, shouldn't I? Oh, it's my brilliant memory. Oh. <laughs> Good old Antonio Nunes following his <laughs> yeah. career every Never forget that goal. Actually, it was a Petacek error. <laughs> a rare one. Collector's item. Uh, Sam, here's your first question. The 2007 final between Chelsea and Arsenal was a feisty affair. Name at least two of the three players sent off following a skirmish in stoppage time. Mm, JT got knocked out, yeah? That was that one, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mikel was definitely one, wasn't he? Correct. We just need one more. Um, I'll go for, was it Diaby who kicked on? Diaby? Nope. I'll give you one more guess as there were three of them. Uh, 2007? Yeah. Mourinho and Wenger both came on the pitch, one ostensibly to try and calm things down, the other to just try and get involved. I have no idea. I'll go for Ashley Cole because he must have been playing for one of them. It's a good guess, but it's not right. Simon, any idea? I've got Adebayor. Adebayor is right. It was Emmanuel Adebayor and Colo Toure were the two Arsenal players who got sent off. So it was 1-0 to Simon. Here's your second question. In what year did Chelsea first win the League Cup? 1965. Oh, he's flying today. He's absolutely flying. My goodness me. (laughs) Leicester City. 
This is Correct. the toughest challenge of the season, this is. Do you, do you know the score? No. It was 3-2 over two legs. Uh, all right, Sam, you're, you're kind of up yeah. against it now. Question two, who scored Chelsea's opening goal in the 1998 final? Oh, that's a gimme. Yeah. Right Frank Sinclair. House. Frank Sinclair is absolutely correct. You're on the board. Uh, final question for you then, uh, Simon. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to find this one as easy as the previous two. We'll see. Chelsea beat Middlesbrough in the 1998 League Cup final. Andy Townsend was in the Borough midfield that day. How many League Cup goals did Townsend score in 17 games in the competition for Chelsea? Like it. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, we've done a we've done a big read on Andy Townsend's League Cup goal. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Three is not correct, Sam. One. Seven. Oh blimey. Wow. Pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought it was blimey. worthy of comment. So that means that it for is the tie. two one. This for the tie. In which case the points are shared and we go to a replay next week, maybe. Um, John Terry, Sam, man of the match in the 2015 final. Who is the man of the match award in the League Cup final named after? One of those things that is always stuck in my mind. uh, So I assumed it was quite an easy question, but looking at the head scratching going on on the Zoom, perhaps I was wrong who is the Man of the Match Award in the League Cup final, named after. Riyad Mahrez is the current holder. Can't even think of a... Can't even think of a famous League Cup final back in the day, if that's got any relevance. Uh, Charlie Nicholas, he poked one in once, didn't he? Charlie Nicholas. Uh, it's incorrect. Simon? Emlyn Hughes. No, it's Alan Hardacre, the secretary of the Football League who dreamt up the League Cup. Oh it's my the Alan God. Hardacre trophy. That's a brutal question. To be... uh, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I, I've always known that. It's always stuck in my head for some reason. Because every year I think, who's Alan Hardacre? And this morning... Well, you were sure it. to ask me who got the second goal in that game. You <laughs> must be I'm one of the it. only few in the country, Matt, that sort of that... that nugget stays in your head because yeah but fair play good question yeah because it means I won (laughs) (laughs) stunning victory uh for Simon my my I actually replaced that question last minute Sam it was going to be who started in central midfield with Matic suspended in the 2015 final but I thought that was a bit easy Zuma yeah yeah would have been a draw if I kept that one in oh well Simon you can celebrate all weekend uh what have you been writing for the athletic please (laughs) Uh, I think I've referred to it already, uh, well, pretty much everything I wrote, the, the sort of focus on Kai Havertz post-Lille, um, the uh, taking part in this League Cup final 2005 look back. What an extraordinary game that was. And, and yeah, combined with Dom and, and James Pearce, um, we wanted to get as many voices. But sort of looking back on the game, it, it, it just... It was peak Mourinho, and and he sort of it was such an important trophy. And this is why, whenever I look at clubs that don't take domestic cups seriously, I, I I'm just baffled, because for Chelsea that was such a huge victory, in terms of their self belief to go on and win win, obviously their first league title a few months later. But you sort of think Mourinho prioritised league cup, FA Cup, etc. And if it's good enough for him, 
it should be good enough for anybody. And I, I just don't think you can underestimate the self-belief that it that it gave those players and it gives players when you get a medal that early on in the season. And, and, and that's why I think we've seen the benefit of that this season with the, the Super Cup and the Club World Cup. And I think this whoever wins on Sunday, it will give them a huge morale boost as well, uh, whether it helps Liverpool's title bid or, or, or Chelsea in the, the other cup competitions they, they, they're competing for. But um, anyway, back to your point. I'm also, um, I'm also just going to look sort of do a piece basically suggesting that Chelsea might also, no matter what happens, Chelsea will look at Liverpool with a touch of envy. And the reason I say that is just look at how they seem to get their signings right in the attacking positions and Chelsea don't. Yeah, good point. Uh, also on The Athletic, you can read Liam's profile of the Chelsea assistant goalkeeping coach, James Russell, and how he's helped Edouard Mendy. And Stuart James has written a piece on how N'Golo Kante is the architect of the perfect Chelsea counter-attack. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all our articles on Chelsea as well as everything else by going to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod. And right now you can sign up for a special price of just £1 a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod. Uh, Sam, you're looking forward to the Youth Cup quarterfinal tonight. What else have you got on this weekend? Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, hasn't it, so so far? The games have been thrilling, so I'd encourage everyone to to tune in tonight. Loads of good attacking players, as you as you would expect. Um, so yeah, just I suppose it's how that they adapt to playing at the the main ground because I presume not many of them have done that. So same for the Blackpool players. Obviously, it'd probably be a bigger event for them. But yeah, it's been a brilliant run so far, and and hopefully they can go deep. Um, Crystal Palace at the weekend. And then on PL2 action uh, on Monday night. So, um, yeah, across the uh, across the development squad and the, and the youth team this evening. Looking forward to it. Lovely stuff. We'll be back on Monday when we will react to all the big action over the weekend. And it is a big weekend for Chelsea at every level. Uh, do join us then if you can. Until then, many thanks to Kiva for joining us earlier, to Simon, to Sam and to Lucy for putting it all together and to you two listener for joining us. We'll catch up with you again next week. Until then, it's goodbye. The Athletic. <laughs>